the Gospel of Mark this morning. I know that's probably a surprise to you. Um, Mark chapter 12, our text this morning will be found in verses 13 through verse 17. <clears throat> Mark chapter 12, 13 through 17. I think it says in the, Psalm, in the Psalms that we are to praise him with the harp, and we have uh, been able to do that. Um, Willow, thank you so much for using your gifts. I did not know that we had a harpist amongst us. Um, and what an absolute joy and delight that was. Welcome every single one of you. How about we're preaching this morning and preaching on truths we can learn at tax time. And I notice we have a CPA sitting in the very first row. He's like so excited because we get to talk about taxes in church. <clears throat> wow, a numbers guy that I am not. God has blessed us as a church. Um, I often get reports throughout the course of the week just uh, of, of testimonies, of ministries, of, of, of things that this body is uh, presently and actively involved in, different ministries. I am just so grateful for the many people. Last week I, I, I snuck back and I caught a glimpse of my grandson through the little nursery window there, and I just realized how many people are serving on a Sunday behind the scenes in nursery and Sunday school, uh, one scurrying around and assisting um, junior church and making coffee, um, assisting people outside as they park. I, I just want to say thank you um, for serving the Lord in that way. Um, also, today we're going to talk about offering everything that we have Everything has been given to us, to the Lord. I also want you to think this morning, if you're not involved in ministry, where you need to be plugged in. God has gifted you in a unique way. That if you are not involved in ministry, okay, that ministry can't be done um, unless you are involved in exercising your gift um, for his glory. <clears throat> That's really the theme that we're going to look here, even from taxes, believe it or not, as what, April 15th nears. I think it's quite interesting the Holy Spirit gives to us this text for this time. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we ask for God's help as we learn this morning from his word. Let's pray. Father, once again, we come into your presence and we are absolutely thrilled and amazed that you allow us um, to hear from you in this way. Um, Lord, I am thankful for your word that is perfect, that is powerful. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your spirit that is present. And right now, as, as we have the privilege of, of, of opening up your word, of hearing it read to us and, and preach that all of us would hear a word from you, certainly myself included. Father, I just thank you for this body. I thank you, Lord, for the many moving pieces and parts of how people are exercising their gifts for your glory. And we give you all of the praise. God, we just desperately lean in right now, and we ask that you would guide us, that you would give to us the right words as we seek to be clear communicators of the gospel in this community. Uh, Father, I just pray that you would uplift hearts right now that need to be uplifted. 
Um, we just pray, Lord, that your perfect will, your perfect will would be accomplished as we have these few moments together. Give us the strength to be obedient. Help us, Lord, to stay in tune to what is being taught and that we would leave, we would leave this, this place in a little while knowing that we've heard from you. Please, Lord, please give me the help that I need. We ask this in the very strong and powerful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen and amen. <clears throat> okay, we've been kind of moving our way through the Gospel of Mark. It is now Passion Week. The cross and the tomb are getting closer and closer and closer. But until that, the ministry of Jesus, there is still much to be accomplished. And there are some powerful lessons that can be learned in these final moments leading up to his death and his resurrection. I don't know if you've ever given thought. I have oftentimes been fascinated with what happens on Sunday. People are crying Hosanna. And on Friday, they're crying crucify him. And these are many of the same people. Like what, what took place? Like what happened from Sunday? Hosanna, Lord, save, please, to crucify, kill him. What, what, what transpired this okay, is what transpired, these lessons. Rather than saying, how can these people be so fickle? How, how do you respond when you hear something from someone that you don't like to hear? Perhaps there's, there's truth, but yet you don't like to hear it. And it what? It changes and it turns your view of that person. This is what's happening here. There's truth that is being taught, and these people do not like what they are hearing. We know the Pharisees, okay? We know the religious leaders, the priests and the scribes and the elders are just furious with Jesus, okay? But they are, in a sense, getting people, getting the crowd to follow them. They've been trying to trick him up, get him to say something that would trap him or, or trip him up. And we know that if they could what if they could get something that would incriminate him, then they've got it. They get him to what proclaim or testify some kind of, of, of blasphemy. But they can't do it, and they have used subject after subject after subject. We've we've heard about the, the Sabbath, we've heard about fasting, we've heard about marriage and divorce, the ministry of John the Baptist, and they're not getting anywhere. All tough subjects. And today they try, like, we got another idea here. It's another tough subject. And yet, yet, there's still a lesson for you and I to learn as a reminder, even at this, this time of the year, this subject that deals with taxes. You've heard what? There's only two things that we can really be certain of. That is death and taxes, Right? I was actually just listening. I know it's so weird and, and wild to Snow, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And you got these cheery little guys that are so anxious to go off to the mine every single morning to work. And you know the song, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work I go. I've actually heard it when we deal with this subject of taxes. I owe, I owe. Because of that, it's off to work. I go. And that's really the idea here that we owe something. That's the reason that we head off 
every single morning. Mark chapter 12, here it is, we pick it up in verse 13, a relatively short text for us this morning. <clears throat> Mark 12, 13. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and they said to him, <clears throat> excuse me, teacher, we know that you are true and you do not care about anyone's opinion. <clears throat> For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring, bring me a denarius. Let me look at it. And they brought one and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the, thing, the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. <clears throat> Two points I want to give to you this morning. The first one is this. This is, number one, an odd union that leads to an obvious plan. Very odd union, and it leads to an obvious plan. It says this, and they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. Okay, here we go. They, which is the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, sent representatives from two different groups. This is, in a sense, think of an official delegation. And, and it begins with a collusion between two groups that is, in all honesty, it's a really weird, odd um, union or partnership against Jesus. I want you to think about it like this. The Pharisees, okay, and the Herodians never got along. They never agreed on anything. Okay, the Pharisees are, think of the strict right-wing, kind of most conservative, solely, kind of religiously and theologically minded, like all the way over here, the Pharisees. Think of the Herodians as the opposite. They are the least religious. They would be the leftist, the liberal progressives that are supportive of Herod. As, as, as the Pharisees are religiously minded, the Herodians are politically minded. They never agree on anything except this. They both hate Jesus. They both want to get rid of Jesus. Why? Because both of them feel that their influence or their power base, their popularity is in jeopardy from this guy. The Pharisees want Jesus dead because of his theology. They certainly did not accept the fact that he was claiming to be the Messiah, the very son of God. But that's not enough for the Herodians. They, they don't give a rip about his theology. They, they want to prove that he is what? Anti-Caesar somehow. They want to prove that he is anti-Roman in some way. Then they can have him killed. To both of these groups, Jesus just simply does not fit in. He, in and of himself, was completely 
offensive. Isn't it interesting today that people will hear of God all day long? When you specifically address the subject of Jesus, the Savior of the world, which confronts us with our need, what, for saving as sinners. Then all of a sudden, that's where the whole message begins to get offensive. I was reading this week in my quiet time in John chapter 15, and we were reminded, what? Jesus says, if the world hates you, know this. What? That it has hated me before it hated you. Okay, so here it is. Here is this official delegation that is sent with a very clear purpose in mind. If you look at the correlating, the synoptic gospels, both Matthew and Luke speak on this exact same subject. And Matthew says like this, in Matthew 22, verse 15, the Pharisees went and they plotted how to entangle him in his words. There's, there's a plan here. There's a deviant plan. Luke's gospel in chapter 20, verse 20 says this, so they watched him and they sent spies who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something he said so they could deliver him up to those in authority. So what do we have here? We have people that are pretending to be one thing in order to get close. They're pretending to be righteous to get close to Jesus. Someone who pretends to be something to get close, to get information, to trap, we would call them a spy. Perhaps there are people amongst us this morning who love a good spy story. My wife, Wendy, loves spy stories. Whether or not it's the NSA, the MI5 in England, or the Scotland Yard, or the CIA, or the KGB. What what, what does a spy do? They try to present themselves as one thing, look like something, to get as close as possible with, with what a strategy to gain something or to get something. And they oftentimes use, okay, here's a big word, obsequiesis. You know what that means? They, they, they use, in a sense, I'll clarify, a sarcophancy in order to get close. Well, what does that mean? It means an adulation or a fawning or a smarminess. Is it becoming clear? They use flattery. Or how about in our language today? They're a suck-up. That's really what they're trying to do. That's, that's who they're trying to be. They appear like something on the outside in order to work their way in close. And this delegation, these two groups of people, are really, really good at sucking up. Here it is. Listen to this. They came to him and they said, Teacher, we know that you are true. How these, how these words must have burned on their lips. We know you do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Are you serious? Like, do you realize who's talking? These people despise Jesus. They hate him from the very pits of their stomachs. They're speaking with what we would call what? A forked tongue. It means to deliberately say one thing 
and mean another or to be hypocritical or speak in what? A duplicitous manner. Now, now think about this. On more than one occasion, I think particularly when our kids were young, on more than one occasion I have had my, my daughter or my son snuggle up to me on the couch and look up at me and, and, and have said words like this, Daddy, have I ever told you how much an amazing father you really are? And I'm like, yeah. The last time you broke a window, I remember you said that. <laughs> last time you needed something. Last time that you were $5 short, I remember that you said exactly the same. We think what? Flattery, flattery will get you nowhere. But what? In our heart of hearts, it is so tempting, isn't it? To hear words like that. Oh, oh it, it sounds... Sounds good. And it certainly is truth. Now, there's no doubt Jesus was the teacher. He was the rabbi, which means what? He is in first and final authority. They certainly didn't recognize his authority. They certainly didn't submit to his authority. There there is truth that is wrapped here. Jesus was all truth, as they are, are perfectly accurate in saying that. It is true that he didn't care about opinions and he wasn't moved by appearances. It is true that he only taught the the very words and the way of God. It was all absolutely true. But they're saying it with this devious deviance. Their tongues were burning, trying to suck up to get what they wanted. And it it was very clear that they wanted to get to Jesus as close as possible to trap him or to trick him, to get him to say. And, and they choose a subject. How do I say this? They choose a subject that is an arrow straight to the heart. Why? Because none of us, none of us, like to give away any hard-earned money. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not. We have worked hard all week. At the end of the week, you get your paycheck and you look at that number. I can't believe they took that much out. I can't believe this. Like this is something that, that, that is a hard, tough topic, taxes. I mean, how many people here are really, really excited, except this CPA that is amongst us, about April 15th coming along? How many people love to hear this? That'll only be $29.99 plus tax. And it's just like, oh. And we live in a world today, I began to make a list. I was amazed. I'm not a numbers guy, you know that. And I was learning this week There's consumption tax, sales tax, excise tax, income tax, federal tax, state tax, property tax, capital gains tax, inheritance tax, estate tax, payroll taxes, income taxes, property tax, school taxes. Can can you imagine? And Pennsylvania is like really odd here. Do you ever notice that it, it costs you more when you use those couple quarters to vacuum your car out? 
Pennsylvania is the only state that taxes on the vacuum cleaners at a gas station. Did you know that? Did you know that in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, that if you buy a pumpkin to carve it, you're going to pay taxes on it. But if you buy a pumpkin to eat it, then you don't have to pay taxes on it. Only in Pennsylvania. This is an odd subject. Why? Because it deals with giving away something that we have worked really, really hard for. On union, odd union leads to an obvious plan. Secondly, it is a simple question that leads to a strong command in verses 15 through 17. Here's the question, but knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? In a sense, haven't you learned? We've been around this block already. Bring me a denarius, let me look at it. And he said to them, whose likeness and the inscription is this? Now, Jesus very, very accurately, correctly labels his opponents, okay, as hypocritical. Again, if you were to look at this chronologically in, in, in Matthew's account, it would be in the very, very near future, right after this that Jesus, in a sense, takes every one of the filters off as he's speaking to the Pharisees, okay? Um, do you remember in Matthew chapter 23, the, the, the seven woes? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, he makes him twice as much a child of hell, Realize this is pretty strong language. These are the same ones. He's like, you're being hypocritical here. And he adds to this, woe to you, blind guides. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but you leave the inside full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisees. And he adds to this, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, your whitewashed tombs. What, you're rotting and stinking on the inside. He says, what? Woe to you, you serpents, you brood of vipers. So here we have, in a sense, he's like beginning to just go the direction of, you are hypocritical later. He just blessed them with absolute truth. We see here that Jesus is accurate. What does he do? He uses a a tool. He uses an object lesson as a powerful tool teaching tool. And he says, bring me a denarius. This is a denarion. It is a a Roman. It's a silver coin used about 600 years. They were minted by Roman emperors from 300 BC to 300 AD. Okay. They, They were worth about 20 cents today, which was the average. Think about this. You complain about your paycheck 20 cents was the average pay that a soldier received or a day laborer received. All day long you work, sun up to sun down. Here's your 20 cents. The King James Version actually translates denarius as penny. What's interesting here 
I learned this week that, that um, as Jesus says, give me a denarius, that he's speaking primarily to a Jewish audience. Now, there's certainly a crowd of followers of people around them. But do you realize that a Pharisee would not carry a denarius with them? Because what was on a denarius would be the image, the graven image of a, of a person, of, of Caesar. And so because, what, Exodus chapter 20, you should have no graven image. In a sense, they, kinda, they considered coins as little idols. And so they would not have had a denarius. None of the Jewish people, they would have had to probably search the, search the crowd for someone to bring us a denarius. They actually paid their taxes in shekels and, and they carried little copper coins that were flat. They didn't have a face or an image engraved on them. So when he says, give me a denarius, he's not going to get one from the Jewish people. It's somebody in the crowd. And finally, they bring this coin forward. And he asks the question, well, whose likeness? Whose image is on it? It's kind of a rhetorical question. He's holding up in front of them. They They all know the answer. And they would shout. And they would kind of go back through the crowd. Caesar, 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 Caesar. Everyone knew It wasn't a shock. What was a shock to them was what Jesus said by way of response to this. Then render to Caesar or give to Caesar those things that are Caesar's. Pay the tax. In a sense, he's saying, quit your whining. In a sense, he's saying, you you give it back. You owe it. It's a debt. It belongs to him, not to you. Interesting to know that all of Scripture fits perfectly together. This is nothing new. Okay, we, we know that we are, we are instructed that what government is an institution that has been granted as a gift of God's grace to us. And we are told repeatedly, Romans chapter 13, verse 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except for God. Those that exist or have been instituted by God. He's the one who puts the authorities in place, in charge. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to emperors or supreme or to governors, as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God. By doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. You're to be a shining citizen, a shining example in every single way. We are to be thankful for the opportunity to pay taxes because we are to be thankful that even government, although you may not agree with it, it is a gift of what is referred to as God's common grace. Common grace is what? It's just a a, a gift that God has given to anyone in a particular sphere of influence. Think about the United States of America. Certainly one or two things I think we probably would disagree with when it comes to government. Perhaps we have some questions about, do you realize that if you were to be in an accident on the way to church, that an ambulance would come and pick you up and take you to the hospital? Do you realize that right now, if your house is on fire, that probably the fire company is going to come to your house? Do you realize the safety and the security, the protection, the provision that's been given to us all as a gift of God's common grace through what? Our taxes and through the governments. But that's still the little light bulb in this text here. 
They're trying to what? They're trying to trick him and, and get him to, to say something or trap him about taxes and Caesar. Where the punch comes, where the bright shining light bulb comes, says what? And you are to give to God everything that belongs to God. They're making a big, huge fuss about paying taxes and they are completely disregarding what? Giving everything to God, giving everything that they owe to him. Therefore, Jesus challenges them just as the Holy Spirit challenges you and I this morning. Yes, we could look at a coin and say, well, whose image is revealed on it? Well, Caesar's is. Whose image do you bear? We have what? Genesis chapter 2. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, excuse me, in verse 27, God created man in his own image. Do you realize that, that we are to reflect the very image of our creator? Now we know since Genesis chapter 3, the fall of all mankind into sin, it has caused what? The reflection of our image of the image of God to be tarnished in a way. In a sense, we, we don't see it quite as clear. And yet when Jesus came and we know exactly by offering what forgiveness to us and by us accepting that forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4 says it like this in verse 24. What we are to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. When we accept what the gift of, of God, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, his own son, that he goes to work. And in a sense, it burns with an illumination in our heart that brightens and shows and shines the very image of God reflected to everyone around us. And so that's, that's the idea, beautiful, beautiful truth that we are minded even in the midst of tax time. How do we apply this? Number one, we, we owe taxes to the government because we're commanded to be submissive. It's very clear. It's very obvious. An opportunity just to see God's common grace all around us. But that's, that's like that second. Most important truth number two, we owe God everything. Sure, we take, we take a portion of our income and we pay taxes, but do you realize that we owe God, everything, because he created us in his image and he sent his own son to die for us. What, 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 what an amazing reminder. What an amazing opportunity to see God as, as what? Our final authority and to see heaven is our final home. Prepare for that. And so we pause in closing. Even as I began and said, there's people that are offering their few talents to the Lord for his glory and his work through this local church. Let, let me ask you, what are you to offer to God? He, you, you owe him everything. We begin with our life, our heart. Lord, have my heart. Take it. I'm yours. I, I, would, I would ask you as well to see the way that God has blessed you with gifts and strengths and abilities and talents that if it's the ability of what a young woman to play a harp, that she says, I have to offer this back as an offering to God. It's a talent. It's a gift. 
She can't just hold on to that. But she shows everyone, this is what God has gifted me to do. You guys, every single one of us, and so you ask yourself right now at this very moment, what are you giving back to God by way of your serving him? What ministry are you involved in? If you literally, can I answer that question like in three seconds? Like if you have to like think like, okay, what do I have to do here? What, what, what am I involved in? It's pretty clear you're not involved in a ministry. Find, find where, where what? Where you can serve. It might be rocking and holding little babies in a nursery and feeding and changing and loving on them. It might be driving a van to pick up older folks who can't drive. Maybe teaching a little class of, of kids. Every It may be a discipleship relationship. You bring someone younger in the faith and you're sitting with them every single week and praying with them and teaching them and reading them and listening to them and holding them accountable. Discipleship relationships, amazing opportunities, many, many ways that you have to be offering. It all belongs to God. You owe him everything. And then I find that we kind of like hold on to it most needy people I find, the most needy people that I listen to on a, on a consistent basis are not involved in any serving, in any ministry whatsoever. Because the focus is always on them as opposed to other people. Great, beautiful, beautiful tax time. Nobody likes it. And there's a beautiful nugget of truth that we can hold on to and a lesson we can learn even at this moment. What is it that you need to be offering to the Lord because it's his in the first place? Father, we thank you. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for the, the way that you speak to us through your word. Lord, help us to give attention to it and to hear what the Spirit is speaking to us about if it's getting plugged into an area of ministry or service, serving in some capacity, or just just convict and bring people to the place that they, they understand you, the, you are the one who, who gave us the ability even to be here this morning to breathe. Father, I would ask, Lord, that we would be reminded that we are to owe, that we owe everything to you. We offer our hearts and our our lives to you. We thank you that you forgive us from our sin and that you call us and equip us and enable us to be a blessing to others. Help us, Lord, to do that. Give us the strength to do that and to do that well. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with us, please, as we close.